Today is an exciting day in the life of our church here at Boone United Methodist Church. We have an opportunity to welcome a new senior pastor today, and we're so grateful uh, to be able to do that and to welcome Ed into our midst. A few words about him. Our new senior minister, Dr. Ed Glaze, served churches throughout Alabama, West Florida Conference uh, during his 32 years of ministry. Uh, from a congregation of, of all sizes, from, from one of 50 to one of over 2,500 and everything in between. While at Tallahassee First United Methodist, he earned the annual conference uh, Harry Denman Award for Evangelism. Most recently, he served as the district superintendent of the Dothan District in Alabama, helping lead congregations in that region to make disciples that make disciples of Jesus Christ. Does that sound like something that we want to do here at Boone UMC? Absolutely, and it's one of the ways in which we recognize God's providence and God's gift uh, of Ed here at this church for us to lead us in this next season. Ed graduated from Fort Walton Beach High School. He completed his undergrad uh, studies at Huntington College, his master's degree at Candler School of Theology at Emory University, and his doctorate from Columbia Theological Seminary. Prior to entering the ministry, Ed served as a public affairs officer in the United States Air Force. He's married to Alicia, who is an ordained deacon in the United Methodist Church. They have a daughter, Anna Grace, who recently graduated from Yale Divinity School, and a son, Curtis, who went to be with the Lord three years ago at the age of 24. Ed and his family love to be in the outdoors, and they look forward to exploring the trails and waterways in the high country, as well as just living and serving in this beautiful community of Boone, North Carolina. And so, friends, it's my honor and privilege for, uh, for you to join me in welcoming our new senior pastor, Ed Glaze. Is that Leonard <laughs> Good to see everybody. What a great band we have. Y'all may be seated. I don't want to do it like I did at my first wedding and had everyone stand up for the whole time. Y'all sit down for being What a, a great worship team. I know y'all so blessed to be worshiping with them all the time. My, something wrong with my mic? Am I doing something funny? Just, just keep talking. Okay, I'll just keep talking. And I'm glad you've got the heat up because my first sermon is on hell. So we're, we're going to be talking about that today. And thank you, Jeff, for arranging that. That's perfect of you to do that this day. Well, as you heard, I'm Ed Glaze, and I'm one of the pastors here at this great church, getting to preach here for my very first time. And I'm so honored and privileged uh, to be able to be here. It's very unusual for somebody to come from another annual conference and transfer in to uh, start ministering in a different region. But this is where God has brought us. And you all are so gracious to welcome somebody from Alabama. I know the reputation that that state has, sometimes justly, sometimes unjustly, but just let me say this. You heard where our daughter went to school. Pretty prestigious place. And at the very opening session there, the dean was bragging about the diversity of students. He said, we have someone here from Hong Kong. We have someone here from Great Britain. We have someone here from Kenya. We even have somebody here from Alabama. So I know what some of y'all are thinking when you hear about someone coming from that state, but just let me say this, Alabama is filled with good and godly people. Amen. Thank you. Y'all from Alabama? <laughs> yeah, it, there's lots of good folks there, and we have many, many dear friends who we love so much, and it, we're hate leaving them in a lot of ways, but... 
we feel through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, working through the appointed process that God has brought us here to this time and this place to join in the work, the work that God is already doing in and through this church. I, I, I've been excited to read and see all the great things that God is doing through this congregation and all the wonderful things that y'all are doing in this community. And I'm just humbled and thrilled to be a part of that and have my wonderful family here with me in doing this. So thank you for letting me come and be a part of all that you are doing. And I look forward to joining you and helping you all move forward to where God is leading us into the future. Now let me just say that you all gave me an interesting welcome. You know, is, are they up there yet? We, we had a... Um, you know, a different welcoming committee. Are they on the screen yet? They're coming up. Anyways, there they are. There's the folks that helped welcome us to Boone on our very first day in the parsonage. There they were. Yes, there was a fire in the parsonage. And you all wanted to give me a warm welcome? Well, you did. There it is right there. We had a little electrical fire and someone has said, you called me to electrify the place. Well, I took you literally. Jesus said, I've come to bring fire to the earth. And I said, what a better place to start than at home. Here we are right here. No, we're so grateful that it wasn't any worse than it was. It could have been a whole lot worse. So I'm grateful for the electricians that were there at that time. One of the persons that attends the Crossroads service, Chase Teague, was there. I want to thank the people that uh, got the fire department out and the Boone's Finest was there. I mean, they really were efficient and quick in helping put out that fire. And, Grateful for the people that helped us get back in the house real quickly. We were told it might be, you know, almost a week. But, you know, the very next day, because of some of the work of you good folks, we were able to move back in and start unpacking. So thank you for that. And in all seriousness, you all have given us such a warm welcome to this place. And we're truly appreciative. We feel uh, the care and the concern and, and the graciousness that you've extended to us. So thank you for all of that. We're truly appreciative. Well, let's begin. Here now, the word of the Lord is found in Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, writing we have in the New Testament. And Paul is here reflecting back on his time with his dear friends there. We're going to start with verse 5 of the second chapter. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves." Because you have become very dear to us. You remember our labor and our toil, brothers and sisters. We work night and day so that we might not be a burden of any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are our witnesses. And God also, how pure and upright and blameless our conduct was towards you believers. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children. Urging and encouraging you to lead a life that is worthy of the gospel, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, it's so good that you all know to say that. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. 
That's great. You, you know, one of the unintended consequences of the digital age is that we have no longer letters that people can look back on like they've done so long in history. You know, we have had letters from ancient manuscripts that people can review and they, they can see how people lived and how they talked and, and gain and encouragement from that. You know, there's nothing wrong with text or emails or tweets. I mean, those are wonderful ways to, to communicate, but they do not allow us to have a record of relationships between each other. You know, isn't it wonderful to, if you have done this, to have letters from people that you know and loved and, and look back on those? As we were packing and getting ready to move here, we uncovered a box full of love letters that Alicia and I shared back and forth with each other when we were first dating. Oh, my goodness. We got hot and steamy there, didn't I? You know, it, 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 we may have to burn those things. I tell you what. But what they were, were letters of tenderness and care that we shared with each other. And we decided to read a few of them. And they did remind us of that love that we had back then and the love that we still share right now. You know, there's something wonderful about getting a letter. The old-fashioned letter with a stamp on it. You know those things? Some of y'all remember those. And you, can, and you can pull them out and read them over and over again. Well, that's what we have today in the scripture text for this morning. We have a portion of a letter that Paul wrote to people that he cared about very deeply. And in this passage that I've read to you, he's reflecting back on his time with the people there in that church in Thessalonica. The book of Acts tells us that Paul preached for three weeks in the synagogue in that town. And some They've just stayed there for, for three weeks. But I would argue, and maybe some scholars back me up on this, is that he was probably there a longer period of time. And that during that time frame, he took three opportunities to speak in the synagogue. And I say that because look at the language of the letter. It's filled with tenderness and devotion and care for those people. And whether he was there three weeks, three months, or... We don't know for sure, but there's no doubt about it that Paul cared for the people in that church. He loved them, and that's obvious. And as looking at that passage I shared with you, there's a couple things I want to highlight that I hope will happen during ministry here. That some period of time from now, yeah, whenever that is that I look back and reflect on ministry here, that you will have experienced these things. And the first thing that I highlight is look at how Paul encouraged those people. He was a person that encouraged his followers. We see that throughout his writings. And as you look in the book of Acts in the 16th chapter, there he is having to leave Philippi. But before he leaves, he gathers Lydia and all the other believers together. And what do they do? They receive encouragement from this apostle who was a pastor to these people. He encouraged them. And Paul learned this encouragement from probably the best who ever lived besides Jesus. And that's his fellow named Barnabas. He's, he's one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. Why? Because his name means son of encouragement. And you would want to be around a person like that, don't you? Someone that encourages you and lifts you up. And Barnabas did that for Paul. You know, Paul was uh, this learned Pharisee that was hanging out in Tarsus who, who was very passionate. And Barnabas sought him out. 
Asked them to join in the ministry. And literally, Barnabas encouraged Paul to become the man that he became as an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see, Barnabas was an encourager to this encourager, Paul. And I hope that you experience encouragement in this place. That you come to this place and find something that helps you and helps make you feel closer to God and become better able to live that God intends for you. Because y'all, we live in a time when folks are discouraged. You know, we've been through a year and a half like no other in our country's history. Some have said it's like the 1919 flu pandemic, the 1929 economic crash, and the riots and and political turmoil of 1968 all wrapped into a single year. Wow. And then, you know, people are struggling still with issues of health. Some may be uh, still worried about the, the ravages of COVID. Some are dealing with economic struggles because of COVID. Some are wondering about the future of our country because all that has been going on. People are discouraged. And even prior to the pandemic, many were discouraged, down, and depressed. Listen to these numbers. In the year 2019, 47,000 Americans took their own lives. 75,000 Americans died of drug overdoses. Suicide has become the second leading cause of death for persons under the age of 35. Suicides become the 10th leading cause of death in our nation. By some estimates, one in every four deaths in the United States are happen because of the plagues of despair as people are abusing their bodies with alcohol or drugs. And that's before the pandemic. People need encouragement. People need lifting up. People need to feel like that they are somebody. And it is my hope and my prayer that as we work here together, this wonderful pastoral staff and the wonderful people that are in this congregation, that we will develop ministries that will help us as a church to do, as Paul says later on in this letter, that we encourage one another, lift each other up. Don't you all want that? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what we want. We need to be encouraged. So that, uh, that persons who are questioning their self-worth, they can feel like that they are precious children of God. For young people wondering, is there going to be a future in a country? They can be assured that they have a future that's bright and good. That folks that are, are getting old and they wonder, has, has life passed me by? Realizing that God has got them at this point and has a great plan for their life even now. And for people who are despondent and disillusioned, that we offer encouragement that helps them have a faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ that can help them overcome all things. Friends, we need to be a place of encouragement. And that's my prayer and that's my hope that we can help you do here, particularly to help all who come to this place and all who come to Blackburn's Chapel to realize that God is calling us to live kingdom-filled lives, as Paul said, that is filled with God's glory. We need to be people of encouragement. And I want to be a pastor that encourages you. Now, 
Have you ever had somebody that has helped you in your life, encourage you to become the person that God has called you to be? Maybe seeing in, with, in within you talents and abilities that you didn't even see in yourself. You ever, hopefully you've had somebody like that. Of course, my dear family, some people like that. I had uh, so blessed with the girls in my life. And I'm also thinking, though, about this woman that was at the very first full-time appointment I served at Montgomery First United Methodist Church on staff there. I, I came in front to this huge congregation as one of the associates, and I, I left Beulah, Alabama. Yeah, how many of you all have heard of Beulah? Okay. Uh, I, I, there's some people know about Beulah. Yeah, I, we left a house trailer parsonage filled with scorpions to go to this huge church. And I was scared to death, you know. In fact, Alicia will tell you this is true. I was sitting on the edge of that old iron bed in that house trailer crying. said, how can I leave all this and go to that? Well, you know, I, I was nervous. I didn't think I had what it took to go and, and serve in a place like this. And as soon as I got there, the senior minister assigned me to take over this ministry called Vision 2000. I didn't even know where my car was parked in that huge parking lot, much less knowing about what I was going to be doing in this ministry. But there's this wonderful woman named Paulette Thompson that came along beside me, and she helped nurture within me gifts for ministry I did not even know I had. She saw within me some things that God had placed within me and helped me become in many ways the pastor I am today. When I left First Methodist Montgomery and went to Tallahassee, Alabama, everyone pronounces it Tallahassee, I get that, but when I went to Tallahassee, Alabama and served as a senior pastor there, Paulette encouraged me and contacted me. She even led a retreat for us. And when I was struggling trying to get my doctorate complete completed she gave me a little gentle nudge and even provided a place for me to go and hang out to write so I could have a place where I could be uh, alone with all that research I still needed to do I saw a note from her not too long ago and it reminded me of the, of those those great gifts she gave to me and so I I went to see her uh, not too long ago and, and I was struggling whether to make this big step whether to uh, take Bishop Graves and Bishop Leland up on their proposal of me coming to the Western North Carolina Annual Conference. And she gave me the words that I needed to hear to help me overcome the fear that's naturally within me, that is sometimes in past, in past in my life that I've uh, not received the blessings that God had in store for me because I was afraid. She and, and others... Help me walk forward into the blessing of being able to move here. So I thank God for Dr. Paulette Thompson, who, when I left Montgomery just a few weeks ago, sent me forth with a blessing and encouragement. Who's been an encourager for you? Who is someone that has helped you realize your gifts, your graces, and who you are uh, this day? Because maybe it was a coach or a teacher or a band leader, a parent, a grandparent, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. Who is that person? Who is coming to your mind when I ask you that question if you're awake right now? But it, who, who, who brings that to your mind?
Who is that person that God is lifting up within your heart? Who is that? Take a moment to utter a prayer of thanksgiving for that person because that person has made you who you are at this very moment. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something else. Get out a piece of paper and a pen. And if that person is still walking this earth, write a note, put it in an envelope, find a stamp, and mail it to that person. You won't know how much it means to receive a word of encouragement from someone that you've been an encourager to. Now, maybe that person has gone on to be with the Lord. Well, you may know a relative of that encourager to you. Write that person. Because you don't know how much it means to somebody who has lost a loved one to receive a message from somebody else that how much that loved one meant to somebody that they made a difference in the life of another human being. Can you all do that? We all do that. You know, people need encouraging. In fact, some of the people may, may need encouraging are sitting next to you right now. So I'm going to do something bold on my very first Sunday. And, you know, this may be my only Sunday. But for, on, the, on, the, on this Sunday, I, I want you to do something. And because the person that needs encouraging may be sitting next to you or nearby to you. So I'm going to ask you right now to turn to people nearby to you and say this, you are surrounded by never-failing love. Can you say that? I'm, you're surrounded by never-failing love. So turn to people around you. You're surrounded by never-failing love. And if you're watching online right now it, and you're at home alone, text somebody that. Text somebody who needs that word of encouragement because what an encouraging word that is to know that no matter who you are, what you've done, what you've left undone, what you have failed at, what you haven't accomplished that you thought you were going to accomplish in this life, no matter who you have been, you're surrounded by never-failing love. Henri Nouwen, uh, the great writer and prophet of uh, the past years, says this, to be born is to be loved. To be born is to be loved. He, he also writes this, that before we ever entered the dark valley of life, we are under the gaze of unfailing love. Under the gaze of unfailing love. A sign and a symbol of that is I think we're going to see a picture in just a little bit of Ben with his new baby daughter. And he and Mary had a, had a, had a girl this, this past Friday. And a sign and a symbol of that is a mother, as soon as her child is born, holding that baby and loving it unconditionally. You are surrounded by never-failing love. Apostle Paul, in writing to his his beloved there in Thessalonica, he's obviously in love with them. You know, he, sa he said this, not only did we share the gospel of God with you, but we shared our very selves because you have become dear to us. Now, the English doesn't quite get the accuracy of the translation, at least with the, one I, the version I just read to you, because the word dear is agaptoi, which you all know what that means. That means Beloved. You are very beloved. 
to us. The Apostle Paul, you see, fell in love with his people there at Thessalonica. Down our way in Alabama, there's a legendary bishop named Kenneth Goodson. In fact, he came up to Virginia, I think, after he straightened us out down that way. But he, he was well known for his uh, taking part in the struggles uh, for civil rights that happened in that state. And as you all know, we were infamous for our, our civil rights struggles in Alabama. He helped Methodism uh, become a, an agent of reconciliation in that state. Not perfectly, trust me, but it got better. But Bishop Goodson's also known for being a great preacher and a great pastor. And he led seminars uh, throughout the Alabama conferences because back then it was both North Alabama and Alabama West Florida combined. Well, here's uh, what happened one time at a seminar. The story is told that after the seminar is over, he's taking questions, and, and one of the young pastors got up and said, Bishop Goodson, tell us the three keys of effective ministry. Bishop Goodson looked intently at that young man and said this, simple, the three keys to effective ministry are this, love the people, love the people, love the people. And if you do that, you'll be effective in your ministry wherever you go. Now, I can't promise you a whole lot, but I can promise you I'm going to pray hard, I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to do the best I can to love you as long as I can, as hard as I can, and, to, and do all that I can to help you experience love. Now, while I fail, you bet. Will I disappoint you? I probably will. Are you going to disagree with me sometimes? Yeah, we might have, that might happen. But I want to tell you, I'm going to love you as best as I can as hard as I can, as long as I can. And I join a staff that's already so loving. You've got some wonderful pastors here already, and I'm so honored to serve with them. And I know you feel the love through the love that they've been sharing with you. And I know, too, that there's lots of love in this place. I felt it already in the, in the week and a half that we have been here. All the, all the expressions of love that you've extended to us, the cakes, the cookies, the cards, the meals. So many expressions of love. So what we come here to do is add our spark of love to the flame of love that's already blazing in this place and in Blackburn's Chapel. Because... I know that you are loving people, and I want you to experience that love so powerfully that we fulfill in such a wonderful way the commands of our Savior. Love one another as I've loved you. And how will the world know that we are followers of Jesus Christ and that there indeed is a Savior? Love. By love. We moved from a beautiful coastal community called Fairhope, a wonderful town. In fact, our friends in Fairhope have called and asked, said, what, what's Boone like? I said, it's like Fairhope in the mountains. <laughs> you know, just a wonderful community, lots of great shops, lots of folks are moving there. You know, they're escaping the hub, 
hubbubs of the cities and, and move into that. It used to be a sleepy coastal town. It's not that way anymore, but beautiful place. And to show you how some of those folks are, how wonderful they are and loving they are, and like you all are, that we had some friends that drove all the way, three hours and three and a half hours or so, from Fairhope to Dothan to help us move in. And they were there helping us unpack and, and uh, just being so helpful and gracious. And they brought us a housewarming gift, a, a wall hanging that says this. Except love lives here. Love lives here. And, and we placed that on our wall in our house there in Dothan. And the first thing that we hung, of course, after the fire was out, was that, that plaque. Love lives here. Because we want everyone to know who steps through the doorways of our home that this place is filled with love. Now, does that mean uh, that we sometimes have disagreements with each other? Well, I, I have disagreements with myself. So, yeah, yeah. And sometimes there's a, you know, we, we might get a little impatient about things. But ultimately, love lives in our household. And, you know, I hope people, when they come to this place, beautiful place or where they come to that beautiful Blackburn's chapel with those gorgeous stained glass windows they will see the real beauty isn't the beauty of this stained glass or or the beauty of the structure or the beauty of those windows in Blackburn's chapel the real beauty is the love that they experience because of the love that each and every one of you have for each other and that we as our your pastoral staff help foster to help remind you that no matter what you are surrounded by love that's my hope, and that's my prayer. I guess the best way to summarize it is how Paul put it to his beloved at another one of his churches in Ephesus. He says there in the third chapter, may you understand and feel as all God's children how wide, how long, how deep, and how high the love of Christ really is. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. There you go. How wide, how deep his love is. And so may you experience that love of Christ, though it is too great for you to fully understand it. Then you'll may be complete in the fullness of that love and know that his life and power, even though it's too deep for you to understand it or to receive it fully. But in the end, you'll be filled with God himself. That's my prayer for you. That's what I hope you experience here, that you are filled with the goodness of this loving God. So, sometime from now, might, as I said, might be next week after the sermon, but it might be three years from now, 30 years from now, whenever it is, I'm looking back on a tenure of ministry here, and I'm, I'm writing some words of reflection. I hope that it can be said that you, the good people of this church, were encouraged, encouraged to overcome all the difficulty and obstacles of this life, but more importantly, encouraged to live a life worthy of God's kingdom. But most importantly, it's my hope and my prayer that no matter what, you know that you are loved. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.